Are you ready to make positive transformation happen for you? Today, you're going to hear how some of the most successful people in the world have made it happen. Hello, and welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership with Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. These successful people and Dr. Woolsey will share advice, insights, tips, and tricks designed to help you incite personal action. It's time to bring positive transformational leadership to your life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. Welcome, everyone. This is Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey, and you are listening to Transformational Energy Leadership coming to you from the heartland of America. Now, during the show, I encourage you go to my website over the commercial breaks. So that's transformationalenergyleadership.com, where you can learn more about me and my business offerings. And you can also connect with me by emailing me at mwolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Come to this platform, that's voiceamerica.com, under the Empowerment Channel. And you can also find me on social media, that's LinkedIn and Facebook. Now, today's show, we're focusing on being a soulful leader. What exactly is that? Particularly in the midst of so much change in our world today, like we've got cultural shifts happening, workplace demands and expectations are becoming bigger and bigger, and just the speed of evolution is so many of our life dimensions. My guest today is Dr. Sarah McCauley, and He and I are going to explore together what it means to be a soulful leader and the demand that followers have where soul is really required. And you know what? When we have a leader who's soulful, expectations are just exceeded. Now, a little bit more about my guest. Dr. Sarah McCauley has not one but two doctorate degrees in which has led him to 35 years working as a therapist, a consultant, and counseling countless leaders in business, education, politics, and athletic teams also. He's a member of the American Psychological Association, and he has been on the faculty of Harvard Medical School for several years, a lecturer for the American Cancer Society, and chief psychologist at Metro West Medical Center, among many other positions. He's author of many books. One book called The Stress Solution is a book that provides readers with simple, realistic, powerful techniques for using empathy and cognitive behavioral therapy to perceive situations accurately, correct distorted thinking, and trigger one's own neurochemistry to produce calm, focused energy. And his most recent book just came out not too long ago. It's called The Soulful Leader, Success with Authenticity, Integrity, and Empathy. Okay, I need to stop right there. Without further ado, Arthur, welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership. Well, thank you very much, Matthew. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. Looking forward to it. Well, like I said to you as we were getting ready for the show today, I read your book, found it. It's a good, easy read, and it gets right to the point. And, you know, I want to get all my leaders on board here or all my listeners on board here with what what is it that you actually mean by the term soulful leader? Well, Matthew, a, a soulful leader is a person who lives with purpose and ha- expresses a desire to be of service. He or she is not primarily motivated by status or image, but has a natural interest in making the most of all the people they encounter. Soulful leaders lead with passion, and they're intimately aware of the structure of their organizations. They're interested in motivating from the bottom up, not the top down. They know the people who work in their organization. They know who cleans the office, who mows the lawn, who fixes their computers, who serves the food, and they know the names of their receptionists and their secretaries. They speak to everyone, and no person is seen as less valuable than anyone else. Soulful leaders lead balanced lives. They work with intensity, but they tend to play with abandonment because they also know how to turn the dial down. They have what I call a dimmer switch. 
They, they know how to turn it up when they need to be intense and concentrate with, with great intensity, but they also know how to turn it down and have fun and enjoy life. They have an inherent love of young people. They love to educate to witness the blossoming of young talent. They're the voice of reason in the face of conflict. They're not quick to react. They're rather thoughtful contributors. They know how to listen empathically, and they're generally interested in understanding not only those who are like them, but also those who are on the surface seem different. They know, they know how to find the common ground. They take in information from diverse sources, and they have a love for diversity because they know from credible studies and, and their own experience that diverse groups make for better creativity, make for more productivity, and they see more variables in the world, and they can bring products to market that, that interest many people, not just a, a small section of the population. They expect to revise theories and change perspectives as they learn, and they're not wedded to one way of thinking or one way of being. They basically live with an open heart and an open mind, and, and they welcome challenge. They, they welcome being questioned. They're not intimidated by being questioned or entering into an interaction with anyone in their organization because they want to hear from others. And one of the reasons they create a very high spirit is because people know they'll be listened to by this type of leader. Uh, wow, there's so much packed in there. I, I When I was reading your book, I remember there was a, a lesson that your father, I believe it was your father taught you, and that was, I, I believe he asked you, so who's the guy down there sweeping the floor? Or, or, yeah, yeah, and I... It completely resonated because you're right to be soulful. You connect with every single person, and there's no such thing as title, really. It's yeah. it's being open heart and open, open, open mind. You know why is it so important? You because you talk about empathy and embedded in there, and in the title of your book, you talk about authenticity. Why is it important to be authentic in business? When, when, when we substitute our natural personality, Matthew, for one that is trying to please or gain acceptance and love, it's, it's a failing proposition. Pretense is a burden that's depleting, and it also makes it difficult to maintain connections with others or closeness to others because it's, it's based on being open, genuine, and vulnerable. Authenticity attracts other people in powerful ways because it allows us to feel comfortable in our own skin. And authentic relating enlivens the spirit and gives us the energy and confidence to go out into the world, tolerate stress, and do the jobs we need to do. You know, authenticity creates a sense of trust in others. It makes people feel secure with you, and that makes them want to negotiate and work together. Pretense does the opposite. People know as they get more exposure to you, whether you're pretending, whether you're lying, when, you're not, when, you, when your character's poor, and when you don't have that authentic sense it makes people not want to negotiate with you because they don't trust you. Mm-hmm. I'm having flashes of other people that I've worked with over the years, the ones that I truly admired and I would do anything for, and those where I was suspect. When you're suspect and you don't have, you don't trust someone, you simply just don't give your all to yeah. whatever the task yeah. or yeah. Yeah. yeah, the organization, whatever you're doing. In your book, you talk about performance addiction and I found mm-hmm. this quite intriguing and I think we see it a lot in today's organizations talk more about what you mean about performance addiction well performance addiction Matthew is the belief that perfecting appearance and achieving status will bring love and respect it's an irrational belief system that begins in, in your family 
and it's reinforced by cultural expectations. You know, we in America are so incredibly focused on appearance and status, and we have moved away from valuing character and integrity. So many performance addicts, they are perfectionists, and they believe they can perfect their way into happiness, that they can pursue it directly, and they can pursue love and respect, respect directly by their achievements. But achievement really isn't made to, to do that. I mean, we, we, you can achieve a great deal, but it doesn't mean that you're going to gain the love and respect of other people if all you're focused on is the bottom line. If you're a bottom line person in business and you lead by aggression and fear and you, and you make people feel that they can't really talk unless they are, are very impressive right away, that they can't really brainstorm with you, performance addicts drive other people crazy because they, have, they try so so much to speak perfectly, to act perfectly, and to look perfectly, that they give everybody else that uncomfortable feeling that they're really reluctant to even ask a question. You know, 70% of Americans in the business world, employees, say they're reluctant to ask leaders a question because they feel like the answer that they will receive will be demeaning, that they won't be appreciated for their input, but they'd rather be put down for their input if it's not exactly what the leader wants to hear. So performance addicts they're always comparing and contrasting themselves to others, and they do that to their employees as well, and they do that at home as well. That's why they have such difficulty with personal relationships. Mm-hmm. I'm, one of the things that I'm, or I'm finding as I'm working with new professionals entering the workforce right now is this reluctance to speak up because they don't want to be perceived as you know, being wrong or saying and saying the wrong thing. And unfortunately, their clients are suffering because a young person, for example, would, will have had an observation and insight, but won't bring it up for fear yeah. of everything that you just yeah. talked about. Yes. And it's it's detrimental in so many ways. And I 70 percent of American workers, Matthew, say that they feel disengaged because of that. Wow. 70%. They feel disengaged because they can't interact with leaders in a comfortable way. And if we're not comfortable, we produce the stress response. If we produce the stress response, we produce cortisol, the stress hormone, which limits creativity and creates black and white thinking. It, it, it doesn't make people happy. It makes people tense. It actually changes their brain chemistry. And once you release cortisol, which has very neg- many negative consequences, creativity goes out the window productivity goes out the window and profits go down it's in that cortisol it's you're you're acting in survival mode which means like, like you said part of your brain is just shut off because you can't access it you're so worried about surviving let alone try to even be creative that just doesn't even factor into there makes perfect sense yeah, you know you, i mean yeah i mean cortisol produces negative thinking weight gain inflammation hair loss breaks down muscle tissue flabbiness it actually kills neurons in the memory center of the brain. And one of the things that is little known in weight loss programs is that it throws off blood sugar levels and it enlarges fat cells, which creates an, a desire for sugary sweet substances. So it's a very negative neuro, a ne- neurochemical that we produce when we're in stressful interactions. And if you lead that way, you create that throughout your organization. And, of course, that is going to reduce productivity substantially. Mm. Yes, and I, I've talked about this on my show before. I There was a portion or a, a point in my professional career where I was under extreme stress. I felt like I didn't have support of upper management. And mm-hmm. those 
those types of things that you're talking about happened, you know, with mm-hmm. skin ailments and things like that. And it's very, very real. I believe, I, I believe, you know, you talked about earlier when you were talking about the characteristics of what it means to be a soulful leader. And one of the key words that you said was empathy is such a big part of it. So mm-hmm. from your perspective, what is the difference between empathy and sympathy? Well, empathy is the capacity to understand and respond to the unique experiences of another. It's everyday mind reading. It allows us to perceive beyond the surface. It, it allows us to not assess a person based on their resume, but who they truly are. It, it is really a great and necessary assessment tool, not only in our professional lives, but in our personal lives as well. And, you know, it's interesting because there's a, there's a, a consulting group in England, the Lady Geek Consulting Group, and they found, they, they examined over 500 businesses in the United States and England. And what they found was the companies that, that had empathy throughout the environment, throughout the, the, throughout the organization, that people related with empathy, the top 10 companies increased their value twice as much as the bottom 10 in terms of empathic environments. But the difference between empathy and sympathy is sympathy rushes into console based on identifying. For instance, if your dad passed away and my dad passed away, I would immediately assume that you had the same experiences as I. Empathy does the opposite. It slows down the reaction to find out the facts. It's very fact-oriented. An example, Matthew, is one of my clients came from California. She moved to Massachusetts not long ago, and her dad had passed away. And she loved her dad. She was very close to her dad, and she was devastated by the loss. Then she heard one of her neighbor's dads passed away. She didn't know the woman very well. She had only met her at a, at a neighborhood organization, but she didn't know her very well. So she put together a basket of flour and some food, and she went down to her house, and she rang the doorbell. And when the woman answered, she said, Oh, my God, I'm so sorry to hear about your dad and your loss. You must be devastated. I was devastated when my dad passed. And the woman looked at her, and she said, I really appreciate your graciousness and your giving, but... You know, my dad left our family when I was two years old. I, I, rec- I wouldn't recognize my dad if I saw him. And we had no interaction with him our entire lives. So, uh, you know, I really don't have the feeling of devastation like you do. You see, that was sympathy. Sympathy rushed in based on identification, assuming that the two people's experience was exactly the same. Empathy would have slowed that whole process down. And my client would have asked a few neighbors, gee, do you know anything about the woman down the, the, the street uh, in terms of her relationship with her father? Do you know anything how it was or what, what kind of connection they had? Because actually their experience was entirely different. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's so much about fact-finding too and putting putting soul with that. You know, when we get, we come back, right, we're at a commercial break now. And when we come back, I also want to talk with you about the dark side of empathy. You bring mm-hmm. that up in your sure. book. And I thought it was such a poignant area that I want to make sure we address. So for everyone out there during the commercial break, go to my trans, go to my website. That's transformationalenergyleadership.com where you can learn more about coaching and other things that I do. And we'll be back here in just two minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? 
Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Tune in to Lead Up for Women. Speak up to Lead Up as we celebrate the influence of women in business and beyond. Your hosts, Colleen Biggs and Dee Daniels, speak with guests who have stories to share, have faced adversity, and have become success stories in business, in their communities, and in personal accomplishments. Join the strong and the brilliant ones and understand that the world is ready for you to be at your best. Lead Up for Women is heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. It's time to transform your life. Start by tuning in to The Glenise Show with Glenise Hughes. Glenise combines business, relationships, wealth, life, and a whole lot of magic to create abundance and prosperity in every part of your life. It's all done through straight and often frank discussions in the best way that Glenise knows how. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Master your life with The Glenise Show. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Arthur Sarah McCauley. He's the author of The Soulful Leader, colon, Success with Authenticity, Integrity, and Empathy. And before the break, we were talking about the characteristics of what a soulful leader is. We were digging a bit more into authenticity, performance addiction, and the difference between empathy and sympathy. And before the break, I said, okay, Arthur, when we come back, I want you to share with us more about what you mean about the dark side of empathy. Talk more about that. Well, Matthew, you know, empathy, as I mentioned, is an assessment tool. I, I wrote a book called The Power of Empathy several years ago, and, and at that at that time, I said in, in one of the book in one of the chapters, I had it was about the dark side of empathy, and I said Adolf Hitler had empathy, and journalists were all over me for that, saying, "How could you say that?" And I said, "I, I can say that because Hitler read the." The, the personality, the longings of the German people at the time. He knew the country was depressed, and he started talking to them in terms that, he, that made them feel empowered. He knew what to say to influence them, and of course then later he was very manipulative with them. My point is the dark side of empathy is, look, salesmen have empathy. Great salesmen have it. They know how to read you. Stephen Covey was asked once, if you had to put in one word what makes a successful businessman or salesman, what would it be? And he said empathy, because you can read your customer and what they want or need. Well, because you can use that to manipulate people. Psychopaths have empathy. So empathy can be used in a very negative, manipulative way. Of course, we hope that most often it will be used in a very constructive, uh, altruistic way. But people can use empathy to manipulate you. 
And when your empathic range is very wide, you can sense and sense that coming. And, and again, it, it can be used in a negative way because the person is reading you. They're reading what you what they think you want to hear. It's like on the dating scene when people are telling someone they love them or on the th- second or third date, and, and you know that there's no way possible that somebody could know you that well to say that. But if you're longing to hear it and you just got divorced or you just went through a breakup, maybe, maybe you get a little bit influenced by it. So empathy has a dark side because it basically is, again, an assessment tool. It means I can read into you beyond the surface and know what you want and what your longings are and what you long to hear. So through that... I could entice you into buying a certain product because salesmen use this technique all the time. Mm, it's like any gift or any any trade or any skill or ability that you have when it's used, it can be used the wrong way and because you're making perfect sense. And I'm, I'm thinking about individuals in my life who are so good at listening, saying the things that you want to hear. And in yeah. retrospect, that was really manipulative. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, let's, let's talk a bit about this big word called love. And, you know, I've had other guests on the show and we talk about love. And I think business leaders, you know, many of them that I know will run away from that. Don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. For you, you talk about love in your book. And why do you find it to be so elusive for corporate leaders, for example? Well, many corporate leaders, they know how to achieve, but they've never developed the skills necessary to create and maintain intimacy. To be close to others, we need to be open to being vulnerable. An emotional state that leaders often fear, so they view vulnerability as a sign of weakness, and of course it isn't. Vulnerability is a sign of strength. Many men have been taught that vulnerability is a weakness, but it, it's not true. It's, it's a way of connecting with other human beings and showing you humanness. You know, I gave a talk not long ago, Matthew, to 100 CEOs in Idaho, CEOs and CFOs, and I was talking about this book, The Soulful Leader. It had, it had just come out. And a, a man came up to me at the end of the talk, 76 years old, and he said, you ruined my day. And I said, well, how did I ruin your day? He said, I'm 76 years old. I own seven companies. I'm a multimillionaire. I have two sons, two daughters-in-law, and four grandchildren. He said, I see them once a year. I sent my sons to private high schools, private colleges. I bought them beautiful cars. I gave them unlimited credit cards, and I never see them because everything you said was true. And he, his eyes began to miss, and I could see a tear coming on the side of his uh, on the side of his eye. And he said to me, "I just never. I just thought giving them more was the way to love them. And I always was teaching them how to achieve, and and learn, and and get ahead. And but I missed the connecting part." And he looked at me and he, and he, and with very sad eyes, and he said, is it too late? And I said, no, it's not too late. You need to call them. You need to go see them. You need to apologize. And you need to tell them that what you thought was love isn't. You thought achievement would bring love to them. But you know now that it means connection, taking the time, being present, knowing how to listen. And you can learn those qualities. Anybody can learn those qualities. And he walked away, I think, a little optimistic because... He thought it was too late at his age. And, of course, it's never too late. Uh, everyone hear that out there? It's never too late wherever you are on your journey to to express love and to do everything that Dr. Sir McCoy just talked about. Along with that, when you talk about expressing, expressing oneself you know, from authenticity, there's also the other side, and you call it soulful listening. What do you mean by soulful listening? 
Well, soulful listening, you know, I love, I love the term, actually, it comes from the theological world, holy listening. It's listening another's soul into a position of disclosure and discovery. And it's one of the greatest things one human being can do for another. Soulful listening means using your empathy to really listen and be concentrating, not, not rehearsing what you're going to say while the other person's talking. One of my patients calls it reloading, that her husband's always reloading when, she, when she's talking. She can hear his, you know when you're talking and someone's mouth is open, they can't wait to speak because they're yes. not really <laughs> focusing. But when mm. you focus, the most amazing thing about empathic listening and soulful listening is that, you know, when I published The Power of Empathy, Matthew, years ago, I, I sense that when you have an empathic interchange with another human being, that you, you, you make a brain change. But I couldn't prove it. But now we know, miraculously, through the giving and receiving of empathy, that you produce oxytocin, the near miracle neurotransmitter that does so many positive things. It reduces anxiety and cortisol. It helps us live longer. It aids in recovery from illness. It promotes a sense of calm and well-being. It increases generosity and empathy. It protects against heart disease. It modulates inflammation. And it reduces cravings for addictive substances. It creates bonding and increasing trust in others. It decreases fear and, incre- and, and creates a feeling of security. And most importantly, it makes us open for love. So mm-hmm. when we give and receive empathy, whether it's in the business world or in our personal lives, we release a neurochemical that makes us feel safe and connected, and it makes us feel happy. When we lead or interact through aggression and fear, we do the opposite. We produce the hormone cortisol that we talked about before with all its negative consequences. Yes, I, and, and in this, and I think, or I could posture that, in today's environment where things are just so go, 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 and, you know, that bottom line and, and the speed of which business is going, that there's this fear, oh, if I stop and actually pause and really listen to you, I'm going to lose time and not get things done. What you're saying is, wait a second, when you stop and really listen with empathy, yes. you're going to yes. hear and connect, right? That's what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, and, you know, business leaders often say, well, you know, we don't have time for empathy. And I, and I try to correct them. I'm not saying that you need to sit down and talk with someone for an hour. But if you're walking in the hall on the way to a meeting and you're late, and what if one of your employees interrupts you and says, you know, Matthew, can I have a minute? And you say, I'm on my way to a meeting. Well, mm. that's one way of responding, a, a sense of intolerance. What if you just looked at the person and said, you know, I'm really late for a meeting. Can you, can you leave a message on my phone and I'll get back to you later? That's, a, that's mm-hmm. 30 seconds of empathy. Right. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not getting deterred. I'm not moving away from the meeting I need to go to. But I'm at least reacting to you with some decency, with some civility, with some empathy. And I'm saying, I know you need to talk to me. I can't do it now, but I will do it. I will get to you. Can you leave me a message? When you do that in an organization, when you do that even in, in your family, with your friends, with your lovers, when you give them that, that sense that, I do care, I am interested, I just can't satisfy your need at the moment. People feel like you care about them. They want to relate to you. That's what soulful leading does, whether it's in your personal life or in your business life. People know that you're going to treat them with dignity. And when you do that, they want to be around you. And it spreads. It's infectious. It spreads throughout your organization or throughout your personal life. 
absolutely. Dignity, such a, a, a nice way to frame all of that. And you're right. It's in the moment you can just, you make that personal connection right there and say, I, I you know, I care about you. Absolutely. I, I need it. I want to talk with you right now. Just, I can't give my full attention. Let's put some time a little bit later. It means so much more than not now, not now, not now. You know, yes. yes. How is, because all this makes so much sense, and then we step back and look at the greater organization, right? I mean, this behemoth, if you will, depending on the size, whatever. How do you actually create a soulful organization? Well, you know, a soulful organization, Matthew, obviously starts with the leader. It's created by a leader who models these characteristics. He or she is empathic, a mm-hmm. great listener, highly ethical with high integrity, authentic, humble, yet confident, happy yet intensely serious when needed, which results in employees being committed to their organization's vision when the leader is present and when he or she is absent. That's what I meant about that soulful leadership is contagious in an organization. When you lead that way, whether you're present or not present, people conduct themselves in that way. You can feel it the moment you walk into a building. I've consulted to many corporations over the years, you feel it the minute you walk into the building and the way you're greeted by the receptionist and the way people react to you as you're walking down the hall. I went into a small business a few weeks ago, and I went up to the receptionist, and she was doing a crossword puzzle. And I don't know if it was her lunch break or whatever it was. She looked up at me, and she looked back down, and she was finishing the puzzle. And I said, I'm here for a meeting with Mr. So-and-so, the CFO. And she said, oh, okay, I'll check. And she checked. And she said that he's down the hall in the right uh, room A something. And that was it, okay? So wow. from that, what, right at that moment, I had a negative feeling. I walked by three men in the hall, and no one spoke to me. I said, hello, good morning, hello. They just sort of walked by. One guy kind of smiled, but n- nobody spoke. I felt like raising my hand and saying, human being passing. <laughs> and then I met the CFO. It was the same kind of interaction. It, it obviously, what was contagious in that small business was don't be very cordial, be overly serious and intense, don't even say good morning to someone, the, the, don't share some element of kindness that could relax people. None of that was present. It started with the receptionist to the three people I passed in the hall to the person I met with who was in a leadership position. It was all the same. And I think you see that in many companies. You walk in and you get a sense of of what kind of feel you have for it. You know whether it is an empathic environment or it isn't. And when it isn't, you don't really want to stay there very long. I I actually couldn't wait to get out of there. Isn't that something? And you're a visitor. What a way to treat. It makes you wonder if you're a visitor, how do they actually treat the employees who are there every single day? And what happens with the customers? Exactly. What if I was yeah. a customer? I mean, why would I want to do business with that with that company? I mean, and, yes. and they they had no awareness of what they were doing. They were changing my brain chemistry. You know, our nervous systems talk to each other. It's like we have a remote control in our hand. They were producing the stress response in me, which made me want to flee. You know, you talked about the fight or flee before with mm-hmm. cortisol in your system. I couldn't wait to get out of there. Isn't that something? You're you're absolutely right. I 
I've had that experience as well. And just the very introduction of how you're treated when you walk in the door, it just speaks volumes. You know, the the time is moving by and we're already at a commercial break. And so what I'd like to do when we we return, let's talk more about living a soulful leader life and the impact. You've already addressed a bit about brain chemistry and I want to explore that even further. So when we come back, let's talk more about that and other concepts right after the break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Something beautiful is happening on Mondays here each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join Rachel Corpus, angel communicator and psychic medium, along with her holy team, The Collective, when they'll share messages that guide you, heal you, and remind you that you are divine. Rachel loves introducing people to their own angels. And now she is here each week to do just that and so much more. Catch the show, You Are Divine, every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you where you want to be right now? We live our lives sometimes looking at others and thinking, the grass is always greener on their side, not realizing that we have the power within us to pursue our dreams. It begins with a head start in the right direction, and that head start is with host Carla D. Walker and From the Inside Out. Believe in your abilities and take action. Listen live every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we're back. Today, my guest is Dr. Arthur Sarah McCauley. And he's been sharing with us his years of working and consulting with leaders from across the spectrum and how soulful leadership is what people need to thrive in ways beyond expectation. Now, Arthur, before the break, we were talking about what it takes to create a soulful organization. And like you said, it really starts from the top down and you can see it permeate throughout an organization at all all levels with every single person just by entering the door and how you're greeted. Mm-hmm. And you were talking a bit about how our, our brains have a remote control with, it, with between each other. When you're nice, I feel it and I can be nice back or authentic. And I, I, you know, I use the word nice because in many ways people will say, well, well Matt, what's the secret to being successful in leadership? And I just look at them and I said, be nice, be a nice person. You know, so that's why I say that. 
Yes. But to our conversation, you talked about brain chemistry. And I really want, so my question for you is how does giving to others change brain chemistry? Well, you know, I know you know about the concept of helper's high. That when you are actually giving to others, you create helper's high. It releases feel-good chemicals that produce happiness and joy. I mean, it's interesting, Matthew, not long ago, well, not long ago, maybe 10 or 12 years ago, the MacArthur Foundation did a study. They were trying to find out where people lived the longest in the United States. And they found this group of nuns in Seattle who lived in, each one of them had one room to live in, and they they had very little money, and they, they went out and fed the poor every day, every day. And they ran a soup kitchen. And they were known by all the people who lived on the street by name, by first name, Sister Mary, Sister Joan. And some of them lived into the 90s and a few over 100. And, they, and researchers were trying to figure out, how could this be? These people have no status. They have very little money. They don't live in extravagant quarters. But what did they have? They had the concept that Mother Teresa exemplified. They were giving to others every day, and it changed their brain chemistry. They were producing serotonin, the neurochemical that gives us calmness and dopamine that gives us concentration and happiness, the kind of neurochemicals that antidepressants produce, but they were producing it on their own because they were in a giving place every day. You know, Mother wow. Teresa was asked once, how, why, how can she possibly give to lepers? And she said, oh, I don't give to them. They give to me. Hmm. It's, it's reciprocal. When you, when you give more than you take, you're changing your own brain chemistry. You're producing happiness. It's a, it's a way of producing happiness. You know, so many people, particularly corporate performance addicts, think they can pursue happiness directly, as we were talking about earlier. Happiness is a byproduct of giving, and it actually changes your own brain, your brain chemistry that produce happiness and joy. Joy and happiness, and I'm, I'm I hail from Washington State, and so it's very dark and cloudy there a lot. And so what you're talking about, there's a lot of truth to that when you're happy, and and being in that in that space. And I certainly know I, I feel better. You just have more energy when you you're you have that helper's high. I, I like that phrase yeah. that you're talking about. You know, uh, and along those lines, I talk on my show a lot about energy. You know, I, I, there's good energy and there's negative energy, and and I really think it's essential that positive nourishing energy called anabolic energy that really distinguishes a leader to be transformational. And so I'm curious from your perspective, how does energy impact others? Well, as I was explaining before, Matthew, soulful leadership is contagious and because it has an energy to it. Picture when, if you've ever seen a, a, a YouTube interview with the Dalai Lama, he's always smiling. He actually yes. doesn't say a whole lot. He speaks slowly. He comes onto stage, but wherever he is, he has a smile. There was, there's a book recently written about Desmond Tutu and the, whole, and the Dalai Lama spending, uh, Desmond Tutu Bishop in South Africa and the Dalai Lama spending a week together. They're of different religions. They're of different races. And yet they have an infectious laugh that they always share with each other because they have a joy of living. The, re- the person, the reporter who wrote the book and was recording the interviews said, I never felt so happy as that week that I spent with the two of them. It is contagious. 
because there's an energy that comes from knowing how to manage your own brain. And one of the things I think soulful leaders also do is they lead very balanced lives. They tend to be people who exercise. They tend to be people who eat well. They don't drink too much. They don't, they don't drug. They, they have meaningful relationships. They know how to maintain intimacy. So they, they're building a resilient brain all the time. So when they go to work, they're, they're already in a position to cope with the stresses of the corporate world, of the business world. And I, when I was reading your book, I completely connected with all. And you're, there is when you're in that that place of joy that you mentioned before, it opens up your mind to uh, to so many other things in life that can nourish you and and um, you know fuel positive relationships with others. You know, we talked yeah. and we talked. You know, we talked about listening before. How does, you know, when you think about soulful listening, how does that create the trust and generosity? Well, you know, as we were talking, it it produces the release of oxytocin, that Mm -hmm. near-miracle neurotransmitter. And oxytocin makes us feel trust. It makes us feel generous. It makes us feel empathic. It makes us feel connected and want to be with that person. So that way of listening creates a brain change, and it creates a positive brain change. When you, when you listen half-heartedly, you produce the opposite. You're producing the stress response. You're producing cortisol, the damaging neurochemical. We know when we're being listened to. You know, so many times people tell me, oh, I'm, I'm sending uh, my, per- my brother to you. My, my, I, I referred my sister to you, my father, my mother, whatever. They won't talk, though. They won't talk. I, I've been doing this for 35 years, Matthew, and I'm not complimenting myself. It's just a product of knowing how to listen. Everybody talks. When they really feel listened to in a different way, that holy listening that we talked about earlier, when they feel like you're really curious about who they are, that you genuinely want to understand them, human beings can't resist it. And it causes a positive brain change, not only in the listener, but in the receiver. It's the opposite when people are listening half-heartedly or when they're lying. You know, lying is one of those behavioral acts that stays in the mind and the heart of of the receiver forever. When you're lying to somebody or trying to con them or manipulate them, once we know that that person is doing that to us, it stays with you. It creates a distance, a disconnect. We see that in personal relationships, and we certainly see it in professional relationships. When you're, when you're telling a customer you're going to bring us something to, to market at a certain time, and you know you can't, but you're just lying to them to keep them on board, or you're lying to keep investors interested, you, you lose the trust because you're creating a brain change in the other person that creates distance. Just like when I walked into that small company, I wanted mm-hmm. to get out. People want uh-huh. to move away from you, not toward you. Yes. Our sub- and our subconscious picks up on all those cues, like you're saying. I-, I was thinking also when you were talking about people who don't really listen, that they're, they're already, uh, what was the phrase that you said? They're, 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 they're there they're with reloading. the response. Yeah, they're reloading. Exactly. I, I had a, a supervisor I worked for years ago, and I would come to him with a challenge. This is early in my career, and I could tell he wasn't listening to me because his eyes would go up to the ceiling, and he was already thinking of a response, and then he had a response that didn't relate to my question because he didn't hear my full question, if that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah. And, and what kind of feeling did that give you? Right. I, I walked away going, huh, 
well, that didn't, it, it was a learning opportunity now that I realize where I am now in my life, reflecting back, that was such a moment for me to learn had he, you know, coached me and, and taken me a different direction rather than, you know, giving me the solution, which was a bad solution anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. not a good example. It wasn't, it wasn't yeah. good. And you're right. It wasn't from the soul. It was... I'm in a hurry. Let's move on. And that was the message I picked up. You know you're being dismissed, Matthew. Yes. And why would you want to communicate with someone who's dismissing you? Right. And you know, one of one of my one of my clients is a CFO, and he was in a meeting the other day, and he said there were 11 people in the meeting. Six of them are on their phones while I'm talking. And he said, I I, I lost my temper. I shouldn't have, but I banged on the desk, and I said, that's it. No more phones in any of our meetings. No more phones in any meeting ever. He said, huh. what, what the hell are we doing here? I'm mm-hmm. speaking and you're, you're answering, you're responding to emails and text messages. It, it, it's ridiculous. Yes. And he's the leader, but at least, you know, maybe he, maybe he could have done it less aggressively, but I'm sure it got their attention. I'm sure it did. I, went, I, was, I, I stopped for a bite to eat last Saturday. I was working out with my daughters and I stopped at a little place to eat. And the, we, the only person in this little restaurant were myself, a mother, father, and two, and two boys. All four of them, for the 35 minutes I was there, were on their phones. All four of them. They never wow. put the phone. They were actually texting with their left hand and eating with their right. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, <laughs> this is supposed to be a family, right? <laughs> yes, and as much as we say we can multitask, I do not believe it. We can't do it. We simply can't. Yeah, I think multitasking is a myth, too. You know, we're just going from one thing to another extremely quickly and not giving anyone in front of us much attention or much sense that we really care to hear or know or understand who they are or what they're saying. Mm. Yeah. In your book, you you were talking, there's a, a chapter, I think it was chapter five, and you were talking about inner tolerance. And mm-hmm. would you mind talking a little bit more about how inner tolerance reduces the stress response? Well, I, I think inner tolerance, what I'm trying to get at there, Matthew, is not reacting quickly. You know, when we react mm. quickly, when we're intolerant of what we're hearing very quickly, it usually means we're responding from something that's unresolved for us in the past. Because it, it triggers us and we react quickly. Quick reactors are usually reacting from history, not entirely from what they're seeing in the present. When we react and thoughtfully, we're, we're trying to understand what's happening. We're, we're not, we're, we don't pick out key words that, that, are, that we're sensitive to and then we overreact to it. That inner tolerance teaches us to use empathy to understand the truth of what's happening. I always try to ask people, what's the truth? What's the truth about you and the other person? Or what's the truth about the situation that's bothering you so much? Mm-hmm. Because we overreact to whatever was sensitive, whatever hurts we had in the past that are not resolved. And that's why we react so quickly. And inner tolerance teaches us to slow down. You know, one of the key phrases of empathy is to slow down. Mm-hmm. Slow down so that we can actually discern what actually is happening, that we can calm our neurochemistry so that we can discern the facts. When you release the stress hormone, our empathic range is reduced to a very small little window, and it produces repetitive, obsessive thinking. So when you think of this all about brain control, when we have inner tolerance, we're producing calming neurochemicals 
so that we can actually understand and perceive without bias, without prejudice. When we react quickly, we're producing a stress response, a brain change, cortisol, which produces very narrow, black and white, obsessive thinking. And we can't see the whole picture that way. You know, it's been proven that when you teach children, when you teach adolescents empathy, when they have empathy training, and there was a, there's an institute out in Oregon that did this several years ago, that when they take the, the, the SATs, they actually score higher on the comprehension part. Why is that? Because we're teaching them to use empathy to relax rather than be anxious and produce the stress response. And then when they were reading paragraphs and had to comprehend certain elements of, the, of what was being said so they could answer questions, they could see all the variables and they were much more able to take in the information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that makes so much sense. Things that we were taught or have been told for centuries now are proving also with just, you know, how much, you know, by taking the time or, or uh, slowing down and taking those deep breaths, it helps reset the system as well so that we can have access yeah. to our full the full body or you know, of who we are. You know, Arthur, we're, we're towards the end of the show. And one thing that I'd like to do for all of my listeners out there is to say they've listened to our conversation. What is it that we can do to start implementing this as soon as the show's over in our lives? You know, if we had to boil this down to three, four main points, as you reflect on what we've talked about today, what would be those, those action steps or things that we can do now to start really living a soulful life and being a soulful leader? I would say, Matthew, make AIE leadership, you know, authenticity, integrity, empathy, because we're all leaders at one point in our lives, whether it's with colleagues or in our families or in business. Make AIE leadership and particularly empathy a central part of your life. Be the change, and you'll cause a ripple effect in your homes and in your organizations. And remember, this is not a theoretical change. It's an active process. And you have, to, you have to put empathy and AI leadership into action. If you do so, you become part of making a better world and a better organization. And remember, when you lead and interact with authenticity, integrity, and empathy, when you have AIE leadership, it's infectious. I've seen it. It spreads everywhere. It will spread through your, through, through your close relationships, through your personal life, and unquestionably through your organization. A-I-E, authenticity, integrity, and empathy, and be the change. And for, for lack of a better phrase, just stop and pause, take the deep breath, and also embedded in there is that, that sense of reflection to, to think back and reflect on what's happening. Would you agree that's also a key part of it? Yes, absolutely, because I think you're reflecting, you're slowing down, and you're able to see accurately and you're able to listen attentively, and that makes a difference. It makes a tremendous difference to the other person you're interacting with, and it calms yourself too. You know, when we get involved, when we truly listen empathically, it's like watching a good movie. We're in, we're in the life of another, not our life, the, the other. Empathy focuses on the uniqueness of the other person. It's actually a mental vacation from ourselves. It, ta- mm-hmm. it takes away from our preoccupation with ourselves and our concerns, and we're in the world of another. And if you look at interacting with human beings that way, you're always feeling refreshed. You know, people ask me, how can you listen to people one hour after another? You know, because I'm in full-time private practice. To me, it's like one good movie after another. 
I, I, I forget about myself. You know, I sometimes have back problems. And one, not, not long ago, I had a shave leaning on my, on my knees because my back was in such pain and my wife was concerned about me. So I come up to my office, I have a home office. I, I met with two or three patients and I went downstairs and she said, how's your back? And I said, what? She said, how's your back? And I, and I had forgotten about the back pain. You know why? Because I was in their world, not my world. As soon as she asked me about the back, my back, I started feeling the pain again. <laughs> yes. Stop, stop paying attention to me, wife. <laughs> and what you're saying, makes, it makes a ton of sense. So you, we're, here we are towards the end. And before we, we close the show today, if, if the listeners want to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to contact you and find out more about Dr. Arthur C. McCauley? Well, Matthew, my website is balanceyoursuccess.com. So you can see my books, articles, blogs, and there's several interviews there that are posted there. And also you can email me if anyone would like to through that, through that website as well, balanceyoursuccess.com. Fantastic. And, you know, before you go, I, I'm, I'm always curious when I have guests on the show, I like to hear what they're working on now or what are you doing for yourself? What are you reading? What are you doing to nourish your, your development? Well, um, I'm, <laughs> I, I exercise every day. I have a cold right now, and I haven't been able to exercise quite to the intensity that I normally do, but uh, I'm an avid, avid exerciser. I do uh, spinning classes every week, and I do weight workouts, and uh, I love to go to the ocean. We have a home in southern Maine near the water, so we have a lot of family and friends up in the summer. That's the, that's the, the, the best time for me in the summer when we can have friends and family with us. Um, so I love to spend time with family. I have two daughters, and I have two grand grandchildren, both girls, and uh, they're the angels in my life. I whenever I'm wherever I tell everybody wherever they're going, I'm going on the weekend because I look <laughs> forward to it, and they're such fun to be with. You know, young minds, young souls, little angels. So they're they're a, a great part of the joy in my life. Wonderful, and that's the key word right there. So. Find the joy in your life. Nourish yourself. Take care of your of your body. And like like you, I I too I work out a lot because it's really helps keep me even and and healthy and and vibrant. So and I have to say, just thanks so much for spending your time with me today. I really really appreciate it. And for all the listeners out there, <clears throat> as you have listened to the conversation today, and you're thinking to yourself, how do I be a soulful leader? Do it now. And it's all about action, as Dr. Arthur just said there. Be the change today. So if you have a topic that you want to hear on the show if there's a guest you'd like me to invite please contact me I'm on and you can email me at mwolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com you can get with me on, on social media and until next week harness your positive energy lead that transformation and we'll talk with you again take care thank you for listening to transformational energy leadership Please join Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey again for another edition next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.